0: Hey, Men of Iron podcast community, this is Garrett Barbush, and I am excited to reintroduce the Men of Iron podcast to each of you. We want to share some exciting news in regards to this podcast and the future of Men of Iron. In 2020, our team decided to take a little hiatus from the podcast. And in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic, our team worked hard to adding tools and training and resources to helping individual men grow in their faith, their family, their friends, their fitness, their finances. And we completed our our Strong 27 Mentorship Package. And we produced a retreat curriculum called Equilibrium. And we took over the reins of Anchored Man, a five-part video series designed for small groups of men. And on top of all that, we launched several digital challenges throughout the year to help men grow in their 5Fs. And we even built a brand-new platform called Men of Iron Plus – a library of digital resources for you and the men in your life. Now, it was an incredible year, but we knew that something had to give in the midst of so much development. And so the podcast, unfortunately, took a back seat. And to be honest, we felt like we could do it better. However, we needed time to plan and execute an excellent product and service. And so the best thing for us to do during that time was to kind of bring things to a halt and to recircle the wagons. And as we did that, our team came to the conclusion that we needed someone fully dedicated to the podcast, someone who knew what they were doing, someone who could give their time, their energy, and their full commitment to delivering an excellent podcast on a consistent basis. And that's when we came across Chad Zook. Chad is the founder of A New Kind of Man, and he believes every man has the potential to become a good man, and that every man has taken a unique path to get him to where he is today. And as we got to know Chad, we liked him. We liked his ideas. We liked the fact that he was direct and to the point. And guess what? Chad liked us, and he liked how Men of Iron was a team of guys committed to being part of God's plans to change a culture one man at a time. And one thing led to the next, and now Chad is officially part of our digital strategy team. So, here's the plan. You're going to be hearing Chad's voice on this podcast. And he'll be dropping a new podcast every Monday morning at 7 a.m. Sometimes that podcast will just be Chad. Most times it will be Chad and a guest. And you may occasionally hear me and Chad together. We want to welcome Chad to the team, and we also want to take this opportunity to welcome Chad's community of listeners from his new Kind of Man podcast. We want to welcome you guys to the Men of Iron community, and we're excited to welcome each of you, and we want to encourage everyone to go to menofiron.org, scroll to the very bottom of that homepage, and subscribe. We're going to drop you guys a note each Monday morning with a note of encouragement. We're going to give you a heads up about each week's podcast. So welcome back to the Men of Iron Podcast with Chad Zook. This Men of Iron Podcast is made possible because of sponsors like Backgate Prayers. Backgate Prayers is a company that created a tool to encourage you to pray for the ones you love. Guys, Mother's Day is coming up and this prayer tool would make an awesome gift for your wife or your mother. This unique tool helps you pray scripturally-based prayers for your marriage, your kids, your loved ones, Topics include salvation, protection, joy, spiritual growth, and more. Each set of prayer cards sits in a handmade wooden block. And it's personalized with names and a favorite pictures of the ones that you are praying for. So guys, if you are looking for a meaningful Mother's Day gift for your wife or your mom, definitely check them out at backgateprayers.com. You can use the code MENOFIRON for a 10% discount. And the last day to order to guarantee delivery by Mother's Day is April 27th. Thank you to BackgatePrayers.com. Welcome to the Men of Iron podcast, equipping men for growth in your faith, family, friends, fitness, and finances. Check out MenOfIron.org to learn more about how you can get involved in or support the vision of changing a culture one man at a time. Thanks for listening. Here's your host, Chad Zook.
1: Today, we have the pleasure of having on Blake Brewer. And Blake has a phenomenal story to share with us. And he is trying to inspire men, but I'm not going to give it all away right now what he's trying to inspire men to do. You need to stay tuned to this conversation and see what Blake has to say. And then also to be able to listen to his story. And, And I know that it will connect with you like it did. For me. So I just want to say welcome to the show, Blake.
2: Welcome, Chad. How's it going, man? I'm so excited to be here. I've been looking forward to this all week. And so I just appreciate you and appreciate all the good stuff that you're doing, man. You're doing some, some great stuff and helping guys, helping guys like me become uh, a new kind of man. So thanks, brother. I appreciate, appreciate that.
1: I really do. So for the audience who doesn't know you, just give us a, a little peek
0: into your life.
2: Well, I'm over here in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I have a four and a half year old daughter, a two and a half year old son and a two week old son. Wow! And the thing that makes us unique is that my wife births some ginormous babies. So (laughs) when our first daughter came out, she was nine pounds, 12 ounces. And we're like, oh my gosh. But then my son comes out and he was 11 pounds and three ounces, 24 inches long. And it was, I mean, she birthed a toddler, a little man-child. And <laughs> then, so two weeks ago, this baby was headed towards 11 pounds. So we took him out two ten day, 10 days early because my Man. wife, would, the, the other one was a little traumatic. So wow. he was, he was nine pounds, 12 ounces, um, so what do you do first do you say i'm sorry or count your blessings (laughs) first? (laughs) like you can go either way on that and i
1: think you're winning either way but it's like you gotta be true to that right
2: yeah we've got you know they're healthy babies so i appreciate that and uh my wife's a rock star and i appreciate her continuing to give birth she did say this is probably your last one But uh, she definitely at times gets mad at me and blames me for it like it's my fault. I was 10 pounds, eight ounces. So I do think it's from my genes. I think there's something uh, there, man. I'm like, I can't help that, sweetie. (laughs) So you have three kids with uh, three kids, and they're all under five. All under five, man. And we're having so much fun. Uh, We just got back from the pumpkin patch, and we were picking pumpkins and doing all that good stuff, riding riding a pony. And uh, I affectionately call us the brew crew. My my last name is Brewer. And, uh, man, I have just totally embraced fatherhood and just, man, I love my kids and it's been fun. Now, not to say we don't have hard times and there's times where they frustrate me, but, uh, man, it's fun training them and teaching them. Uh, and, uh, and just loving on them. So what's the best part about being a dad? I mean, you're, you're right in the thick of it.
1: I, it's so weird because my kids are older and we talked about this off air that my, my daughter's 17 and my son's 24. And although I do have very fond memories of their growing up, it's still been a lot of years since they were in the same phase that your kids are. So what is like the best part about being a dad with three kids under five?
2: Well, we have a lot of fun doing a lot of different stuff. And there's been times where like my, my daughter going to pre-K had some uh, anxiety. And so she was crying, you know, didn't want to go. And then, so for two or three weeks in a row, I worked with her uh, and tried to build her confidence. And for the last three weeks, she hasn't cried when I dropped her off and she'll come home. And, you know, when we pick her up at noon, she goes, daddy, I didn't cry today. And oh, so cool. it's just small things like that, where I just, you know, I'm so proud of her. Um, you know, it seems like such a small thing, but I will, I will say our, the most fun thing that, well, there's two fun things that we do. And so uh, we tell Alexa to play Dwight Yoakam, which you've probably never heard of Dwight Yoakum. He's a country, country star. Oh, yeah. Old he, school. Yeah, so we just accidentally stumbled upon this and the first two songs, you guys try it when you say play Dwight Yoakam are two like really fun songs and my kids and I just have a dance party and just run around our house (laughs) having so much fun. My kids and then my kids who don't speak, you know, very good English because they're only four Like Alexa can't understand them. So then they just start yelling at Alexa like
0: play Dwight Yoakam,
2: play Dwight Yoakam. It's it's hilarious. But then we also, uh, my son, I, the eleven pounder, man, he is—he's rough, and so—and he likes mm-hmm. playing. And we play this game called fumble the ball, and, and in the living room, and we do it in the backyard too. And we just—we just like fumble, Ruski man, and we're just tackling each other. And my daughter jumps in on it too uh so i think i show him videos of uh bo jackson his name is bo so he he loves hitting the ball he loves playing football and i've been showing him videos of bo jackson and uh wow so he's he's going to be a baseball player and a football player right yeah Yeah, who knows and then so his grandfather my dad which i know we're going to talk about my dad uh played football was terry bradshaw's tight end uh at at louisiana tech caught bradshaw's first touchdown pass they were uh, roommates together senior year when they were both getting drafted. Of course, Terry Bradshaw went number one, and then my dad went I think in like the seventh round to the Falcons over there in Atlanta. Wow, check that out. Yeah, but he, he ended up getting hurt, so he didn't play. But um, who knows? My son's only two, but he is projected at, at, to be six five uh, already. So we'll we'll see what happens. And that's in the range of tight end right there. Yeah. Six five. Put some
1: put some meat on him. Work on those you know those hand skills. You never know.
2: Yeah. So, we'll so cool.
1: Yeah. That sounds like a blast. That actually reminds me, you know, with, with my son, even my daughter was kind of the same thing, but they with the years between him is just, it was a little different dynamic, uh, absolutely different than yours, but it was just a different dynamic son daughter and then the, the seven year split between them. But with my son, total fumble, I mean, I totally, I totally track with that. I mean, it's one of those things. He's the same size as me now. So it's a little, it's a little awkward, like two grown men wrestling in, you know, in the living room, but I will let you know that there have been instances where two grown men were wrestling in the living room. (laughs) And, And what's really cool about it is my wife is absolutely cool with it. She just moves the couch out of the way. And then she just laughs at us and heckles at heckles us. But, you know, we do it and we have some fun. We've been doing that since, honestly, since he was your kid's age.
2: Well, all the research shows that it is actually extremely beneficial for our kids, for us to wrestle with our kids. Mm -hmm. And just, I think it's the physical touch, but within that, now it may be different for you now that your son is older, but at my age, I'm showing physical restraint. Like I could totally destroy my kids, but I restrain myself. And Mm -hmm. uh, so anyway, it's. That's awesome that you still do that with your son.
1: Yeah. It's like, it's strength under control, right? Because it's that rough play with your kids. It's, it's, they know, Whoa, dad is mean, to a five-year-old, right? You may not even, not you, but I'm saying a man may not even work out, but to a five-year-old son or daughter, dad's a giant. Yeah. Like he is these bigger than life. He's the biggest person in the house, you know, most likely. So it's like a kid looks at, at dad and says, Whoa, my dad is so strong. And whenever you have this, this idea of rough play and you do those kinds of things, it's that strength under control, which absolutely we want our kids to know that we want them to know, Oh, I have this strength, but it doesn't mean that I have to use it to dominate someone. But yet we have that strength for a reason.
2: Yeah. And I'm trying to help him control his strength because he beats (laughs) up on his, on his sister already. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I bet you guys have uh, got your hands full with that. So that's awesome. And how long have you guys been married? So we've been married, man, you would put me on the spot, huh? No, we've been married for 10 years. <laughs> She's not listening, man. It's all right. You it. you it. Yeah, we've been married 10 years and oh, uh, man, yeah, things are, I'm still trying to be a better husband, but I will say I'm, I'm better than when we first got married. It took me a while to figure some things out. Uh, and really, honestly, I was still trying to live as a single guy at first and live with my vision, and um, yeah. I was in ministry, so I was calling it, man, this is what God's called us to do, mm-hmm. and I was placing that before our marriage. I mean, we had like an okay marriage. It wasn't like it was bad, but it's, it wasn't until I totally put that down and said, no, our marriage and my family is first because that's what God has called me to do. If I'm going to, is to take care of my wife and my children. Hmm. So, yeah, that's an important piece. I just want to kind of jump in there for a moment
1: before we start talking about kids and fatherhood and sharing the rest of your story. How would you recommend someone to create a vision for their family or their marriage? And I realize those are two different things. So I'm just giving you an opportunity to speak into either one. Cause you mentioned the word vision and in, the uh, presumption that I have is many of us, when we get into a marriage, we go into it with this this bias of self. So we have right. a personal vision for ourselves, and we we do things for ourselves, and you know we kind of take care of ourselves. And now we're living with somebody else, and now we have a responsibility to the other person. So what would you say to that guy who's maybe trying to find or put together a vision for his
2: marriage and/or family? Well, I. So for me, I've been doing some research on this recently, just on the kind of American family and the Western family in the last hundred years versus the rest of America or rest of history. It's totally different because now we're becoming more self-centered. We're becoming more, everything's about you. Even from when you're a kid, it's all about, you know, what sport you're going to play. And then, you know, uh, you know, it's less about the family. And so we grow up with this vision. Like my whole life, I was asked, Hey, what is your, What's your career going to be? What's your job going to be? Right. Um, and so it was all about me and what I was going to do. But uh, before a hundred years ago, it was very much about your family and how are you going to provide for your family? Not just like your immediate family, but like your parents, because you were going to be taking care of your parents. And so it was very much like you were your last name and you, were, you know, you cared about your family legacy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was, it was almost like natural, like when you got married, like you knew that man we're coming together and we're building a family uh together but it's harder now to do that Mm -hmm. um and obviously things have changed like i'm not saying someone should go back and live like they did a thousand years ago or in biblical times when um you know the, the economy was just different and things like that um but so i think to answer your question the to build i think an appropriate vision i think you do want to go back biblically study it there's some great books out out there um, there's one called family revision by jeremy Pryor. that's the mm-hmm. book i'm reading right now so just to really get an accurate um, um view and and call on in mentors and things like that say hey, what is what should the vision for my family be mm-hmm. um because i do think probably left alone without any help from anybody we might lean towards more of a selfless vision and so i needed some help one of the ways i got help is we met with the pastor uh, at our church and we just asked him to help us. And it was, we kind of got forced into it because we were making a big family decision of where we were going to move. And it kind of, I, my heart was revealed in that moment to myself and everybody else. Like I was putting my calling, my ministry above my marriage and it was not the best move Mm -hmm. for our marriage. Um, So I think just, Uh, taking some time, figuring out like what is a good biblical vision, leaning into others, asking other men, married guys that you respect, what is their vision? And then drawing a vision from that. Oh, that's great. Yeah. When you were talking, I was reminded of a book that I haven't finished yet. I've read about half of it,
1: but the book, I don't know who the author is, but the book is called when the church was a family. And what's really interesting about that book is like the same thing you're talking about. You're talking about the way of the West is, the kind of the selfish model, the rugged individualist, that's kind of terminology that I use to kind of describe like everything about America has been like this individual pursuit to, you know, tighten up your bootstraps and just go to work and, you know, nobody's going to come for you. So it it leaves, in my understanding is it kind of leaves us all going in our own direction. Mm -hmm. And yet even in the Eastern cultures, they're still very much, family more so like the biblical model specific, specifically in the old testament to where one would never even think of making a big decision alone they would always right. default to their family they would default to the wisdom they would default to the elders and they would default to to the parents to kind of walk them through decisions because let's be honest how many 18 year
2: olds actually know anything right <laughs> right it's... no they, they don 't and and especially a father man that 's that 's the role of a father we don 't want to just step back and say, yeah. "Hey, you can go make this decision on your own now i 'm not saying we should hover over them and make it, make it for them, but we should definitely be there uh, to guide them and direct mm-hmm. them and that's that 's what you want. You want a father who uh, believes in you, who trusts you, but also has your best interest at heart as well and to help mm-hmm. you make that. Uh, decision. But as far as um, you know what we're experiencing right now in the West, one of the reasons that it's like this and never before in history is be, it's mostly financial. So before a hundred years ago, you couldn't just say, you know what, I'm going to leave my family and I'm going to go pursue my own career. I'm going to go live on the other side of the country. It's like you couldn't do that because financially there wasn't a way, there wasn't an economy a way where you could go do that. And so you needed your family to survive. Yeah. And so, um, and even now that our parents have retirement plans, like they're they're not uh, as dependent on us. Um, you know, so some of that's great, but now it just it ends up working against us as a family because there's not this kind of what I would say, good pressure on, you know, that you need your family and really the word that um, Jeremy Pryor uses is because we don't want to be like totally dependent on our family, but then independent, which is what most of the Western culture is. Mm -hmm. we become totally independent, but really the word is interdependent. Yeah. Um, And so it's kind of like a football team. Every single player on the team has an independent job to do, but you work together as a team to win. So the team is very interdependent on each other.
1: Yeah, that's a, a great analogy. And I was reminded of when we lived in Florida and, you know, you see this firsthand, you see what they, what, when we were in Florida, we called them snowbirds and they would come and they would basically spend all winter there where we were, and we were beachside community. We weren't on the beach, but very close to the beach and, and that whole environment. And these people all, you know, just, flock to Florida and come down there. And, and what's the reason why I share that is because this is a, this is a multi-generational issue. This isn't just our generation or my generation is saying, I don't need people. It's like, it's even in their generation, because think about, think about a hundred years ago, even if they could, I don't even know that, that people could fathom just leaving their family for half of the year, just to vacation or to, to live in a place that's warmer. Because yeah. Why, I mean, why would you uproot and leave your family? It, because it doesn't, it just seem selfish. And I'm, and yeah. for somebody who, who's trying to do this, I'm not trying to say you're selfish, but, but I mean, at the core of it, it's like, that can be selfish.
2: Oh yeah. But I totally get it. Cause it sounds amazing. Yeah. I'll go live in Florida for a little bit, <laughs> right. but it is having devastating effects on the family yeah. um, because there is a lot of value in a child being raised up close to family, close to family members because who do, their identity should come from their family. Mm-hmm. Um, but in our Western culture, what ends up happening is, is our identity comes from the kids at school. Um, yes. And that's not really where our, our identity should come from, and, you know, should come from a strong family.
1: Yeah. And that's been one of the real challenges. We talked about this off air, but that's really been one of the main challenges for our family Uh, my individual family, because of the work that I do, we have actually lived away from the grandparents for pretty much all of my daughter's life virtually. And then for most of even my son. So we were raised away from grandparents. And so my wife and I, we don't have grandkids, but my wife and I are to the point where like, okay, we, we need to basically fight to have a place in our grandkids lives. If we have grandkids just to make that connection. And because it's church work, you know, it's, it's one of those things to where we knew we were supposed to leave and it was difficult. And, uh, in and, you know, with it comes a lot of, just a lot of areas where we feel like our kids are missing out. And so I really connect with what you're talking about here, because at the end of the day, it's about legacy to me. So let's, let's jump into, into legacy. What does legacy mean for you?
2: Well, the thing that I go straight to is the legacy that my dad uh, has left me, um, which I love. Would this be a good time for me to jump into that story? Sure. Absolutely.
1: is a good time to go wherever you want to go.
2: Yeah. So I lost my dad at 19 and I hope that no one has to go through what I went through when he died. It was, it was definitely a tragedy. I just finished my freshman year at Uh, college and I came home, my mom had planned a trip for us to go to Hawaii. And so we had gone to Florida for vacations. We'd gone to Colorado, but this was like this pinnacle vacation. And so we were all excited. I remember the first day that we were there uh, we woke up and we were looking at all the brochures trying to decide where we were going to go. My dad uh, actually made us laugh because we looked at this brochure of a moped and he said, can you guys imagine me on a moped? Which it was <laughs> funny. because like 6'3", 230. And my dad wasn't the funny guy. And so just, the, you know, him trying to be funny and mocking himself. Yeah. And we all laughed and we said, yeah, we better not do moped. So we decided uh, to go to uh, Hanama Bay, which is, uh, one of the most beautiful places in the world. And we loved going snorkeling. And so as soon as we got there, we went out into the water and we were looking at all of the cool sea life, the fish, the turtles. And, and I got to say, man, it was just so cool. I, I just remember it like the other day, just being there with my dad and I had been away at college for a year and it was just me and him out in the water and we were just experiencing that together. And as you know, Chad, there's just nothing like being with your dad. That's right. And and we just kept uh, going further and further out, just looking at cooler and cooler stuff. And uh, I got we got to this moment where I was uh, I put my head up out of the water, just to kind of see where we were and to see exactly where my dad was. And I didn't see my dad, and the waves had picked up and the water was a little bit more treacherous. And now I know that we are in an area called witch's brew, which is known for its treacherous waters. And then I see my dad finally, and my dad is trying to get out of the water and he's climbing up on this rock. And I, my first thought is, why is he trying to get out of the water right there? Like that's not a great place to get out because the waves were just crashing against it. And so I did have this thought, maybe he's in trouble. He's just is trying to get out of the water. But as he was getting out, sure enough, a a wave crashed against him and knocked him back down in the water. So I knew at that point I needed to get over there. And so I just started swimming towards my dad. Um, Had no idea what was about to happen next. But I remember my dad, as I was swimming, I remember him yelling for help. And I, you know, my dad had this deep booming voice, but his yell for help was more like a whimper Mm. and it was soft and I could just tell that he was tired and I started, I kept swimming towards him. And as I got closer to him, my dad uh, went under the water. And so by the time I got to my dad, he was actually unconscious under the water mm. and I remember thinking oh my goodness like like what is going on here my mind is racing I knew I had to get my dad to shore and I just put my arms around him and just started swimming with him and I did my best to go fast I did my best to try to hold his head above water um, but again the the waves were treacherous and I had to get around that, that rock I was telling you about to the other side of it. So we could get out of the water and by the grace of God, uh, another man showed up, someone who was snorkeling in the area Mm -hmm. and he swam to us and he took over swimming with my dad and I swam to shore. And if he hadn't showed up, I don't know if I would have made it because I was absolutely exhausted and I don't think I would have left my dad Mm -hmm. and, when I got into shore, I passed a lifeguard, and a lifeguard had seen us out there, and he was going out with a surfboard. So he got out there, got my dad on the surfboard, brought him to to the shore where I was, and I just remember on a knee, just praying to God as they were doing CPR. God, please let my dad live, and I really did expect at any moment um, that water, like you see in the movies, that water just kind of comes out of their mouth and they start breathing again. I just, I just knew that surely that's what was about to happen. Um, my mom and my sister were over on the shore, uh, laying out and they saw this commotion down the beach and they said, Hey, that's where dad and Blake were in that area. So they run down there and I'll never forget the look on my mom's face as she came up and, she could tell what was going on. And I just said, mom, this is not good. I, I, I don't know if he's going to make it. And they loaded my dad in the ambulance and we got a phone call five or 10 minutes later. I They'd made it to the hospital where they had pronounced my dead, my dad dead. And it was just, man, it was just the, the biggest shock because literally in one moment I was having one of the best mornings of my entire life. And in a matter of seconds, my dad's life was taken from me and my life would change forever. I remember going to the hospital and just seeing my dad laying there, still in a swimsuit, no shirt on. And he just looked asleep and it was still, you know, we were just so shocked. I just expected him to wake up at any moment, but, um, you know, the next couple of days were pretty tough because we were over there in Hawaii. We had to get back. We felt like we were, I mean, it felt like we were in a different country because we were so far away from home and family sure. and friends and felt isolated. And, um, and really the next year of my life, um, man, it was just really in, in mourning. I went back to college and, and man, I would cry myself to sleep. Um, I, I hadn't been a crier before that in my life. And then I was I was crying all the time. Every time I talked to somebody out in the back of my mind, I was just thinking like, you know, do they know about my dad? Are we going to talk about my dad? Which I, I didn't mind talking about my dad. And, um, but I look at that year and I was experiencing so much pain. Um, and I could have easily tried to escape all of that pain with drugs and alcohol or girls or whatever it would have been. And it mm-hmm. honestly, it would have been very normal to do that, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't. And I would say that I developed more that year as a person. Um, I grew in my relationship with God more than I ever had in my life that next wow. year. And it all goes back to what happened later that afternoon after my dad died. And so I was back in the condo that we had rented, I was back, I was in the back bedroom laying on the bed and my mom walks into the room and I'm just sitting there as you, you know, my dad had died like several hours before and I'm just like, you know, what in the world? And I'm asking the questions like, you know, why did this have to happen? Um, Is there, you know, you know, God, is there a God? I mean, I'm asking those type of questions like, like, where is God right now? And my mom hands me something and she says, I just got this out of your dad's suitcase. And it's a letter that he's been working on for you for, and your sister and brother for several months. Hmm. And he just finished the letter and he was going to give it to you on this trip. And so he had no idea that he was about to die when he wrote this letter. Um, and, And so I'm reading this letter, which would you know basically be my dad's last words to me and this letter was this huge letter of encouragement um just encouraging me in life to persevere uh encouraging me to have courage um and he encouraged me to study the bible and to uh know it for myself uh one line he said preachers and teachers and evangelists he said they're all great um, but you need to know the word of God for yourself um, so that, you know, you know, you're, you're not just relying on the preacher to, to teach. Cause then he kind of went into a thing that, you know, sometimes people are teach a false gospel. And so you need to know the gospel for yourself and the scriptures for yourself. Um, and then the last line of this letter uh, said here on earth, you might be in the minority for your faith but I assure you in heaven, you'll be in the majority. Love your dear old dad in Christ Jesus. And so reading that letter just gave me this perspective on life Mm -hmm. that number one, if God is real, which I do believe God is real that my dad's in heaven right now. Mm -hmm. Uh, If given the choice um, my dad wouldn't even come back to earth. Like heaven is so good. he's like, I'll just stay, uh, right here. And I just began to have this attitude over the, the next few weeks and next few months. I wouldn't say it was immediate, um, of just gratitude towards God that I had a good dad for as long as I did when there's so many people who don't know their dad or they don't have a dad. Mm -hmm. And I had a great dad for 19 years of my life. God never promised that we're going to live to be 80 or 90 years old. And my dad lived till he was 54. Um, and so I can't be mad at God for that. I can just be grateful for what I did have. Um, and I don't think I could have had an attitude like that without, um, the letter that my dad wrote me just to give me that kind of eternal perspective. Um, and then I had to make the decision, okay, if I really live for God, if I really believe in God, which I do, I want to live for the things that he's about for my short time here on earth. I Mm -hmm. want to live for the big things, the the everlasting things, the eternal things, Mm -hmm. um, which is God and the souls of man. And so, um, By the grace of God, He brought a mentor into my life a couple months after that. That began to uh, help me share my faith, and I was scared to death to share my faith. But I was just like, man, this is amazing. I'm getting just to talk to people where they're going to spend eternity, and I got to share the story of my dad. And God began to to work and and do some really cool things through that. Wow. So that that that's legacy. Yeah, that's that's how I would answer. That's legacy.
1: That's uh, thank you for sharing your story and, and really what's going on in your life. And it's amazing how God gives people courage because I believe that it's only God could do what has happened in your life in, in, in that way. And just all, you know, a lot of people may think, well, that's, that was just a circumstance or that just happened to where the letter was there and it just happened to be, you know, you're on this trip Uh, the dream trip to Hawaii and it just happened that your dad had just finished the letter and it just happened. I don't believe that any of that's true. I believe that God ordained all of that to happen sequentially just the way that it did. And, and I think that you are a a living, breathing testifying testimony to, uh, to really the grace of God.
2: Well, I, I I agree (laughs) because it's only (laughs) through the grace of God. Uh, I feel the same way. Um, It's not anything anybody, you know, that I did or anybody else did. Um, Like you said, even my dad writing that letter, he had never written a letter like that before. It's like, where in the world did that come from? Um, Man, God allowed my dad uh, to write that letter. Uh, And I don't know, you know, what he had to give up, you know, what TV show he had to give up to write that letter over a couple months and to put it all together. But man, am I thankful that he gave those things up and spent the time to write that letter to me.
1: So now you are on a mission. What is your mission? And I, and I love, I love how God does stuff like this. The, the mission, I can honestly say the mission with a new kind of man is birthed out of my own pain experience growing up Mm -hmm. and my own uh, feeling of lacking and my own insecurities and how God met me in that place to where uh, I've said it over and over again on multiple podcasts, but how in that moment my, my earthly father was there and yet he, he grew up in such a way where he was lacking and I realized that God was my heavenly father and he is not lacking. So my story is similar in a way that, that some of my deepest pain has now been turned into purpose. So what is, what is the mission and purpose behind your work right now?
2: Well, the mission is to help 1 million dads in the next 10 years write a legacy letter um, to their children, like my dad did for me. So, you know, talk about legacy. um, It's pretty amazing that I'm getting to continue to honor my dad's legacy. And when he wrote that letter, did he know that not only was it going to impact my life, but all the people that I've told that story to over the years, which is thousands and thousands of people. Mm -hmm. But now I'm getting to help uh, other dads write that letter and other children who are going to get a letter from their dad. Uh, and so I can't be more excited about this. And especially now that I'm a father and I see, and I've done a lot of reading and research and just knowing how powerful the voice of a father is even more mm-hmm. so than, than a mom. Like mm-hmm. there's just something there where we, we kind of expect our mom to, to love us uh, and maybe it's because we are actually physically attached attached to them at one point. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when our dads love us, it's like they're choosing to love us. And it just really means something when the dad says, man, I love you. I'm proud of you. I believe in you. I, I put it like this. If um, we were going to, let's say, go down to Florida and jump in a sailboat and we were going to sail down to, you know, I don't know, the Bahamas, even if we don't have a good wind, um, we, when you're in the Navy, so you, you know, even on the water, (laughs) uh, but you know, we can make it there. Like you can zigzag the boat back and forth and you can work hard and you can get the wind right and you can get in the sail and we can make it down to the Bahamas. Mm -hmm. But how much better would it be if we just had the perfect wind that was in the perfect direction, we'd make it there so much faster, so much Mm -hmm. less work. And that's the way it is when someone uh, has a father in their life. You can make it in life without a father. Mm-hmm. Um, you it's can have harder. other, yeah. It's so much harder to make it without a father. You can have other people speak in your life and things like that. Mm-hmm. But you can. There's people that have made it. But man, when you have a father in your life and that speaks into your life, man, it is like the perfect wind in your sail that can just push you there so much faster. That can give you the confidence that you that you need to succeed in life. Mm-hmm. Um, and then ultimately, uh, as we know, when you have a father in your life uh, and you're deeply connected to your father, you're, that is connected to God, you're more likely to have a connection or have a relationship with God.
1: Absolutely.
2: <laughs> and, and you and I both know if you have a relationship with our heavenly father, our perfect father, our creator, then life is a lot better.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, taking your analogy and, and just kind of adding, adding something to it, um, which I agree with every part of it, it's when we have an active father in our life who is intentional and he's trying to build on an legacy and he's trying to build not just a legacy of, you know, a, a Zook legacy or a Brewer legacy, but, but a God-driven vision and legacy. And, you know, with, when we have that kind of father, it is that it pushes us right? So it is wind in the sail that that moves us forward. Consequently, here's where I'm going to add to your story. Consequently, when we we disengage as fathers, I think we're actually creating more of an obstacle for our kids. So I don't think that that there's a neutral position. And there's some dad out there who's listening to this right now. They're like, well, my kids will be just fine. My kids have done just fine without me. And, and, And I would just say, put that pride, ego, and hubris aside for a moment. And think about this, man. Think about what is the, you're either adding wind to the sales of your kids, encouraging them to keep going in the way that they should go, or you're an obstacle. Which one do you want to be?
2: Well, Chad, I couldn't agree with you more. And that's all the research shows that as well, because a father, as we said, a father is so powerful. His voice is so powerful, then it's going to go one way or the other. And so when a father speaks life into his his child, boom, but amazing things happen. But if he's not speaking life, it's like you said, it's like the opposite is happening because then the child is wondering, well, why isn't my dad speaking life into me? Why isn't my dad spending time with me? Why isn't he loving me? Man, my dad dad must hate me or my dad must not like me. My dad must not believe in me. Mm -hmm. Um, And even though you never said that, that is the message that they are receiving. That's right. And we all tell ourselves stories. Like we all have events that happen in our life and we all tell, our, tell ourselves stories about those events. That's just the way our mind works. We make up a story mm-hmm. and we, our, those stories are either going to serve us or they're not going to serve us. And mm-hmm. so fathers can help us create stories in our life that serve us man, that I'm loved, Mm that I can, you know, I can do things, you know, I'm not a, 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 you know, I'm not a waste, you know, I'm, you know, I'm not just a nobody here. Mm -hmm. Uh, So man, I couldn't, couldn't believe, couldn't agree with you more.
1: Even, you know, bringing back the idea of vision in your analogy, just because it's amazing. The analogy is amazing you know, the whole sailboat leaving Florida, go to the Bahamas. The thing is when you have a dad who's present with their kids, not only is it wind in their sails to help them go forward, but without a dad, they don't even, they don't have the vision to even know the destination. Oh yeah. So think about that. It's like, yeah. and then it's, that's the vision side of it. Right. Because if without vision, you just have a lot of energy. You just go in circles. That's all you right. do. And it's just frustrating and it's, it's exhausting and you know it leads really just to a, a pathway of regret. And yet, when a dad is present in his kid's life, and he's present with his uh, with his wife, and they set a vision, they cast a vision for the future of their family. I mean, that is inspiring. And these, you know, honestly, your your mission is inspiring too. A million dads to write personal letters to their kids over the next ten years. Now, I, I want to. I want to just speak for the guy who's out there right now and he's the guy who doesn't write anything. He doesn't write. So he, he, he is, he's afraid of writing and afraid of like, Oh, if I get the grammar wrong or if I do whatever, how would you inspire that guy?
2: So the guy who feels overwhelmed, like I don't
1: write, I don't know. I don't know how to put my words together. How would you inspire him?
2: Well, there's a lot of dads like that. And I would say over the years I've, I've shared this story with so many different people and so many dads and there's never been a dad who said, I don't see the value in doing this. Like every dad's like, Oh yeah, I should write a letter like that. But then most of them don't actually end up doing it. And I think it's for a lot of reasons, you know, life happens and you get busy, but I think a lot of it is what you're talking about. You kind of get overwhelmed with this. Oh man, how am I going to write this letter? Mm -hmm. Uh, So I realized pretty quickly that if I'm going to uh, help a million dads, write the letter. I can't just, I can't just inspire them. Like I need more to inspire them. I need to actually kind of hold their hand and help them through the process, which is why Mm -hmm. we created the legacy letter challenge. um, Because I believe that there is a letter inside of every dad. And through this process, we help them get the, get a letter from their heart to their mind to Mm -hmm. a piece of paper. Uh, And so I've, uh, um, you know, I've had several friends who received a letter from their dad and it their the letters didn't quite have the same punch to them Mm -hmm. so their dad's tried kudos to them um but i know the elements that that need to go into a letter and i know the things that a child needs needs to hear from their father and so i help a dad make make sure they're in there could you share those with us yeah absolutely okay so i They definitely need to uh, hear, I love you. So I help a father write that. And so when we're writing the letter, it's not this cookie cutter letter. Like it's very much uh, like every father, it's in his words, but I'm helping him think through the things that need to be there. But in his own words, he's writing, I love you. He's writing, I'm proud of you. Uh, And I help a father think through, it's not just I'm proud of you because of what you've done. I'm proud of you because of who you are Mm. and focusing on those characteristics. Uh, And then I believe in you. And so I help a father think through, okay, how is that going to look like in your letter? I help a father come up with uh, the memories that he wants to share. Mm. You know, I remember this, I have this memory then. And because there's, you know, we do a brainstorming exercise and you could probably come up with a hundred, you know, thousands of memories, right? But if you're going to, you know, write the letter and put this into a you know a letter like this, which is gonna. I mean, our, your children will hold on to this thing forever because if you hand your child a letter that you say I've been working on for a month or two, mm. man, that letter carries some weight.
1: Absolutely.
2: And, and so I tell dads like, hey, you know, you don't want to just write anything down. Like this isn't the type of letter. Uh, where you know for our wives for valentine's day where we go buy a card and then out in the car real quick we you know jot some stuff down what you do that <laughs> i don't know if you do that chad but I've, <laughs> i have done that before
1: many times i have
2: and then you yeah. pat it with like getting some
1: roses like here look at the roses don't look at the yeah. card because i didn't know what to say
2: no yeah that isn't this type of letter we put we're putting a little bit more thought into it and so i help dads think through um that and uh, I help dads uh, think through um, apologizing. And so mm-hmm. especially uh, older dads that have, you know, their kids are a little bit older. It's like, of yeah. course you have things to apologize for because you're, you're mm-hmm. not a perfect dad, you know, nobody is. Yeah. And so I had a, a friend uh, re- actually receive a letter from a dad, from his dad a couple of years ago and his dad did not know how to apologize. I'll just put it nicely. And it wasn't a good apology. And so I don't know what was in the rest of the letter, but his son couldn't even get, my friend couldn't even get past that because oh, he's man. like, man, you know, what kind of apology was that? Like, it had a bunch of butts in it and his dad made some excuses. And so mm-hmm. um, I'm helping uh, some dads right now that have adult children and uh, these dads, these, they were great, They were good dads, but they have things and they, that they had to apologize for. They have some regrets um, you know, wishing that they would spent more time with them, things like that. And to be honest, what I tell dads is, your kids a lot of times, unless there's something major, maybe they, you know, there might be a chance they're really expecting an apology. But a lot of times, uh, you know, we tend to look at our dads in a really good light, and we we tend to, um, you know, believe the best in them. So I say mm-hmm. when you when you write this excuse or write this um, apology or write this, you know, regrets, I mean, it's going to be powerful because they weren't expecting it, and they're like, oh my gosh, like. I can't Mm. believe my dad just, just apologized. Just said that, man, I love my dad. I mean that, I mean, I, I just got a a text from a dad that I'm helping write a letter to. He, he just finished it uh, yesterday Mm. and he said, man, this process of writing this letter was unbelievable. I shed some tears along the way, Mm. um, but this was one of the best things I've ever done in my life. And he can't wait to give the, the letters to his children and he wrote the letter because his daughter and his son aren't as close they're both adults now aren't as close as he wishes that they were and he's oh. you know he knows he doesn't have that many years left and so he wants to leave that with him um, but i have another uh, person i'm helping a friend write a letter to his unborn son wow. and so how amazing is this that he's writing this letter to his unborn son will his unborn son ever wonder man does my dad love me It's like, heck yeah, my dad loves me. He wrote a letter to me expressing how how much he loves me and how proud he was of me even before I was born.
1: It's amazing. And
2: and hopefully nothing tragic happens to my friend. But if something does, do you not think that this son will value that letter for the rest of his life? Like Mm -hmm. he never got to meet his dad. He didn't get to hear words from his dad, but he has this letter and his words from his dad man, that are going to push his sailboat forward. Yeah. Um, but hopefully, you know, my uh, friend lives a long life and sure, yeah, his son will always treasure that letter though. Another f- guy that's writing the letter, he has toddlers and he's like, man, this is, this process has just been amazing because obviously I love my children, but this process of going through it kind of organized my thoughts and my feelings towards my children mm. um, in a way that I'd never done before. So now, it's helping him just be a better father just from writing the letter. So his children have this amazing letter that they'll cherish for the rest of their life. And obviously as they get older, they'll cherish it more. Mm-hmm. Um, but now he's going to be a better father. One, he thought through the things that he didn't want to have to apologize for one day. So he's going to, you know, mm-hmm. proact- be a little more proactive. Um, but then it just helped him organize his thoughts and his feelings and his vision for his family as well.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. That, uh, you know, I- touch on something you said a couple of minutes ago, Blake, I thought was, was super valuable too. Um, it reminded me of a conversation I had with Steven Mansfield several months back. And he talked about really how we, even if our dad is, is not that is not, you know, the greatest of dads, he's still a hero. Yep. Like to to a child, a dad is still a hero and, and I'm not dismissing mothers. I'm, I'm not at all. My, right. my wife is, Phenomenal. She's had an incredible impact on my kids and on me. I mean, she's the person who's influenced me more uh, as far as human beings who's influenced me more in my life. So don't get me wrong Um, and don't hear that the wrong way. But yet what he talked about was even how a dad is, even if a dad is deeply flawed, just a dad being present Mm -hmm. um, just shows the child like there's this heroic nature that, that lights up in a kid's eyes when they see dad even if dad is imperfect. So I want to encourage you dads out there too. You're imperfect. I'm imperfect. We're all imperfect. Um, and and we're, not, we're not looking for like a grading scale to see how imperfect we are. It's either perfect or imperfect. That's really how God sees it. Perfect or imperfect. And Jesus was the only one who's walked on earth that's been perfect. So everybody else is below that line.
2: So we're all in the same boat, right? So... So, and and on this letter, you know, he asked me about the letter. So circling back to that, mm -hmm. the letter does not have to be, you know, some work of art over here. (laughs) Like, (laughs) like, you know, our kids are not holding us to that standard. Like that cannot be the reason that we don't write the letter because even if every word is misspelled and, you know, even if the sentence isn't put together that well, which, you know, I'm going to help you, you know, probably do better than what you would on your own, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't matter. Like your children, like will cherish, like it's in your words. It's how you write it. Like, I promise you, like Mm -hmm. your dad's, your, your children look overlooked, you know, they're not grading us on how well it was written and how well it was spelled. Mm -hmm. So they just want to hear from their dad. And then I, I had a friend, uh, his name is Victor Marks. And Victor has done some amazing things. He's helped a lot of guys with PTSD. He's helping people in sex, rescuing people out of sex trafficking. Like he's doing some amazing stuff. He didn't become a believer till in his twenties, right after he got out. It was either Navy or Marines. I can't remember. But the reason that Victor became a believer was because his dad, who had no relationship with him growing up, his dad, I promise you, there's no dad listening today who is as bad of a dad as his dad was. He gets a letter from his dad and his Victor's first thought is, is because the first line of the letter says, son, I just want to write you a letter. And he's like, son, who is he calling son? Like he can't call me mm-hmm. son. Cause that's how he viewed his dad. Mm-hmm. His dad had become a Christian and his dad in this letter shares the gospel wow. with his son that he had not been close to. And through that letter, Victor became a believer in the next within the next year and victor's life totally changed so you go you talk about the power of a father it mm-hmm. doesn't matter if if you have not been involved in your child's life at all because i mean anyone could have written that letter to victor and victor you know it probably wouldn't have meant anything but it meant something because it came from his father that's right and it changed his life wow
1: yeah that that's like that's an, a powerful thing too And, and honestly, this is just, this is just one of the things that God does, right? When he gets a hold of someone like that, like Victor's dad gets a hold of him. And uh, those in, in, you know, in the, in the recovery circles, they would call that making amends. And this is one of the things that I see that God does with people who are not even in a recovery program, but just somebody who's lived a broken life or they've, you know, they've just created just a pathway just like lived in a pathway of regret and damage to people is that god cycle oftentimes god has the individual cycle back and and then try to make amends at least to have a conversation and and when a dad does that and owns his own failures man it, it's just an opportunity again turn that ship it puts a it puts wind in the sails and saying okay you know Uh, And I'm sure that that Victor walking through all that, he still had to own, you know, he had to address the issues and the pain and the hurt that he had. But yet God used that even to bring Victor to himself, which is phenomenal.
2: Well, and that's ultimately what my my dad's letter did for me. Yes, um, man, I felt connected to my dad in that moment, but my dad was ultimately pointing me to, our heavenly father who is perfect. And so that's what, as dads, what we're trying to do is to point our children to Mm -hmm. our heavenly father.
1: Yeah. That's a really good word. Well, Blake is, is there anything else that you would like to encourage the dads with today?
2: Well, I just know that it's, I would say in my personal opinion, it's harder than ever to be a dad and connect with our children right now Mm -hmm. because, of all of the competition we have never before in history have children's had had a phone and the internet and Mm -hmm. all of the they can just log into social media and now they're having access to all of this information Mm -hmm. it's not bad but there's they're definitely can access things that would go against what we would say as Mm -hmm. a father and so we as a father could put throw our hands up in the air and say well, you know, there's too much competition out there. I'm not, not even going to try, but that is the exact opposite of what God's calling us to do. God's calling us to step up, uh, to initiate with our children Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, pursue our children. And so this is what I tell dads is this is what the legacy letter is all about. Um, because you, this is one step that you can take, um, to connect with your children. And I, you know, my dad caught a lot of touchdown passes uh, from Terry Bradshaw, mm-hmm. and there was one touchdown pass that he caught in the first ever bowl game that Louisiana Tech ever went to, and the first time they were ever on TV, and it was in the fourth quarter, mm-hmm. and it kind of sealed the deal, sealed the game, and so mm-hmm. it was the, the touchdown, kind of the, the most famous touchdown that my dad had from Terry. And so to me, you know, as a dad, we're just trying to score touchdowns with our children all along to win the game. Right. But to me writing the legacy letter is like scoring the touchdown that is going to seal the victory to win the game because so many good things happen because of it. And so I would absolutely love to help any dad write their letter. You can go to legacy letter com and you can sign up every month. We're taking new dads through our four week course. Mm -hmm. Um, And so Uh, we, we made it affordable so that every dad, you know, I don't want that money to be a reason why a a child doesn't get a letter. And Mm -hmm. if there's any dad who's like, man, I just need some help right now. You email us and we've got scholarships, like money literally can't be the reason that your child doesn't get a letter. And then we don't help you write one.
1: That's awesome. That is awesome. We want every, every dad to step up and do that. Honor your kids, honor that legacy. Take, uh, you know, if there's one takeaway, which I think there's a bunch, but if there's one thing that a guy needs to take away from our conversation today is to
2: write that letter. Oh yeah.
1: Write that letter. And if you need help as, as a lot of guys do, uh, they, they would need help kind of working through all of that, engaging the brain and the heart and all that. Blake is ready to do that. Follow uh, the website that Blake just talked about legacy letter challenge.com. You can also see his work at The endurance.org, both of those websites will connect you with him. And I just want to say thank you so much for coming on the show today and telling your story and then also just encouraging me. And I know there's going to be a ton of dads out there and and maybe men who are going to be dads. And you just literally you put a little wind in their sails and maybe you've you've set them on a course that uh, that is better than the one that they had prior to our conversation. So thank you.
2: I appreciate you, Chad, and all the stuff you're doing. Thanks for letting me share today because every time I share, I get to honor my dad's legacy. And so thank you.
0: This Men of Iron podcast is brought to you by Men of Iron. If you're interested in getting involved or supporting the vision of changing a culture one man at a time, or you simply want to know more about our Strong 27 Mentorship Experience, Equilibrium Retreats, Anchored Man Video Series, or Men of Iron Plus, go to metaviron.org.